The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Umbrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited. The government has published the Leveling Up the Rural Economy Committee report. Does it deliver what we're hoping for? Connectivity is essential to rural productivity. Likewise, farming tax skills and planning, they're all really important and they were covered in the report. Lammer is on this week and the Newark show's back. Two years of cancellations and three years in the making, in effect, so we're delighted to be back. Plus, we've crop, livestock and grain market reports and the weather for the week ahead. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, hope you've had a good week. Great to see so many people all dressed up in their finery at the Lincolnshire Rural Charities Dinner on Thursday night, raising funds for LRSN, the Lincolnshire Agricultural Society, and the Rural and Agricultural Chaplaincy. And we'll talk more about the dinner on the Farming Programme next week. If you're needing to update electricity generation equipment to make it compliant with new regulations later this year, good news. Grants are available to help, but you only have until the 10th of May to apply. For details, search Accelerated Loss of Mains Change Programme. And there's a bit of good news about bird flu this week. With the risk of infection now being reduced to medium, mandatory housing measures for poultry will be lifted tomorrow, unless they're in a protection zone. The government's chief vet is, though, urging all bird keepers to continue maintaining scrupulous biosecurity standards to keep their birds and the public safe. This week sees the return of Lama at the NEC on Wednesday and Thursday. Do let me know if you're going and I'll hope to see you there. And the Nottinghamshire County show's back after a Covid hiatus, which is excellent news. And I met the show manager, Elizabeth Halsell, in a very empty and echoey hall that will be buzzing on the 14th of May. Elizabeth, it's great to have the show back. It's been two years of cancellations and three years in the making, in effect, so we're delighted to be back. Now, we're down to one day this year. What's the thinking behind that? Well, the two years of cancellation has given us opportunity to have a look and review the show. And the consensus was we wanted to bring the show back to our agricultural roots. And we felt the best way to do that was to put on a one-day show where all the action was going to happen in the one day and we'd be able to offer the best of the best. Okay, so what have we actually got going on at the show? Um, We are very much focusing on our livestock competitions this year. We are reintroducing the livestock parade, which we haven't had at the show for the last five years. Uh, We've got a big equine section, as usual, and we're featuring a number of qualifiers this time for ridden uh, shy horses in hand, cobs working hunters you name it we've got it and actually this year we're inviting the pony club to host their area six show jumping excellent and for those who are looking for something family focused we've got plenty for them as well we have we've got a festival of food uh, which is full up we've got cheese tutorials and tastings from the uh, leicestershire cheese company we've got a big countryside area where we've got falconry displays we have the hog show coming this year which is a new feature to um, the event and we are very pleased to be celebrating the Queen's uh, Platinum uh, Jubilee this year and we're one of Nottinghamshire's first celebrations. Okay, what will you be doing to celebrate? 
We have got a huge hall packed with community groups, youth organisations, the NHS, all celebrating the Queen's reign. We've got uh, the Scouts doing performances, the Boys Brigade, and then at hopefully round about half past three, we have a fly past of the Lancaster bomber. Fantastic. I should definitely be looking out for that one. And we're going to have the young farmers here. What's their involvement in the show this year? They're going to be extremely busy. They've got their beef stock judging. They've got a marquee full of all of their craft and home produce competitions. And then the highlight will be the young farmers lawnmower racing, which is going to be taking place in the main ring. So some fun and some thrills happening uh, with that competition. So we've got something for agriculture, for, for farmers, we've got something for families, something for the younger people. There's something for everybody. They're all crammed into one day. Yeah, it's going to be action-packed, so please come and join us on Saturday, 14th of May. And where can we find out more information and book tickets? Uh, all on the Nottinghamshire County Show website. And if somebody wants to pay on the gate, can they still do that? Yes, with pleasure. Cash or card on the gate. All right, Elizabeth, thanks for joining me, and have a very, very successful show. Thank you very much. Looking forward to Newark on the 14th and hopefully I'll see you in Louth next Sunday. Sarah Lambell, Marketing Manager at Mason's, is on the line. Morning, Sarah. What's happening next Sunday in Louth then? We've got the um, Louth Lions Vintage Tractor Run starting at Peacock and Biddington in Louth around 8.30, leaving about 10 and the planned route is south of Louth, first of all, so taking in the pretty villages of Fotherby, Keddington, Alvingham, then going on to Cockington, Grimmelby, Manby, through to Legbourne, and then Student, and onto the London Road, where they're coming into Mason's Cattle Market there around lunchtime, where there'll be, you know, the chance for the public to come along and have a really good look at, at what hopefully will be a, a great turnout of vintage tractors. And it's being organised by the Lowthan District Lions, supported by Masons, raising funds for what? Local charities um, and to support people within their own community. There is an international element as well. They do support other Lions groups overseas. They deal with Lions, say, for example, in the Ukraine. So, there's, you know, there's an opportunity where their funding reaches far and wide. And if somebody's thinking of entering their tractor for this, where do they go for more information, Sarah? Well, I think the best thing to do is actually to get in touch with Derek Blow. His phone number is 077-21-738-287. He'll be able to tell you all about entering. But as I say, it's possible to just turn up on the day and pay a £15 entry fee. 20 miles in the morning, 14 or 15 miles in the afternoon, they're heading out down towards Hubbard's Hills and under the bypass that way to, to access the other villages. All right, Sarah Lambell, Marketing Manager for Masons and Partners in Louth. Thanks for joining us on the farming programme this morning. Thank you so much, Steve. And not only do we expect to have a great display of tractors in Louth next Sunday, but if you're thinking of entering, there are prizes to be won. Let's head to the fields now. Walking them for us once again is Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. More chilly, dry weather. Morning, Sean. Yes, very good morning to you, Steve. Yeah, getting a little bit serious as the days go by now. Dry as Gandhi's flip-flops out here and complicating my job on several levels, not least because of the nutrient uptake, or rather the lack of it, where cereals in particular are showing nitrogen deficiency widely. You can pick out the area's compaction within fields. You can see the darker lines along the tram lines where it's just pushed it in that little bit more. 
liquid fertilizers that green these crops up much better but where urea or ammonium nitrate's gone on on these dry cracked soils we look less dark green and far more pastel green so it's only a drop of rain that we need and no doubt we will get it sometime so we have to wait where cereals have had by the way about 80 percent of their plant nitrogen say 140 to 160 kilos or so up to date depending upon how well you bought it and how far you're having to cut back if that main dose of 100 kilos or so went on just a couple of weeks ago because we've had no rain bar about eight mil since the 15th of march remember that 20 mil or so that i said we'd think back to as a godsend so eight mil in the last eight weeks and nothing since it was applied then you have to ask yourself what's the point of putting any more on at the moment because it's been too dry to use what it got just 10-14 days ago. So my advice is to keep your powder dry and wait for a drop of rain and then see what these crops look like after that. One thing's absolutely certain though, another 40 or 50 kilos of ammonium nitrate isn't going to green these crops up and it's not going to rally them. Wait for rain. Very, very frustrating but as one of my colleagues always says just be careful what you wish for. I can remember in this dry April of last year and then we got 130 odd mil of rain in May. The fact is the weather's going to do what it wants in its own sweet time and the longer it's dry the closer we get to rain. You just have to be positive. And it's not just cereals, it's sugar beet, linseed, spring rate, peas, beans all of them need a drink to wet their roots and then they'll be off. Residual herbicides, they're doing very little not to mention some of the contact sulfonylureas on weeds like groundsel for example. That weed just shrugs it off in the dry as it gets woodier and woodier in these dry conditions, seemingly impenetrable. In oilseed rape then, sclerotinia risks starting to increase so protectant sprays onto the petals, crucial to stop the grey moulds and the botrytis from rotting the petals when they stick down lower down to the stem and it's that which lets in the sclerotinia so a protectant fungicide onto those flowers now with it being so dry that could just be sufficient to take you through the season but time will tell you'll get about two and a half to three weeks protection out of that so just see where we are in that span of time manganese magnesium as well might be useful too dropped in if needed winter wheat leaf three pushing out in many many fields now even the backwards shorter ones are motoring as well i even found the flag leaf out on thursday afternoon so flag out in april just shows why this business of calendar date predictions is so dangerous t1 is in order to protect the leaf three and tidy up diseases in the crop so when 60 to 70 percent of that leaf three is out that's your optimum timing and even if the t0 only went on a week ago and leaf three is out you've got to get that t1 put on ignore the proximity of the two plenty of rust still about if you look for it so do check the varieties and understand the risk that you face strobs teb both of those will extend the protection of many of the the decent t1 fungicides but most of the robust t1 fungs do a very very good job as a protectant so if you find yellow rust in the field let it guide you as to whether you need to take any additional measures winter barley awns are out in most of my fields so just watch the growth stage for herbicides plant growth regulators etc and the cleavers are moving quite quickly as well in wheats as well as wild oats popping up all over the place so now would be the time to deal with those in the wheats in particular before they get too competitive just be careful of cutting back by the way on fungicides and growth regulators in these dry conditions we've seen it so many times before that it's dry at t1 people cut back on disease control and growth regulators because it's so dry they've put all the nitrogen on then it comes wet in early may the disease sets off never to be caught again and the crop goes flat because it sucks up all its nitrogen in one big suck think about the next four weeks the coming four weeks not the last four and do cover all your bases 
Growth regulators in winter barley. The latest safe timing on the label for Cerrone is before the first dawns are visible, which is growth stage 49, so it's too late for me in most of mine. And for Turpal, that's rate dependent, but its latest safe timing is before ear emergence, which is growth stage 51. Spring barley, T1 going on uh, at the moment. Late tillering, growth stage 30-ish crops. That's the timing for the T1. And some of the February drillings are pretty much there now. Spring wheat is a little bit behind the barley. Linseed getting absolutely hammered by flax beetle. Spring oilseed rape getting absolutely hammered by striped flea beetle, Wessex flea beetle and flea beetles of every other denomination by the look of it. But the problem in those crops is like the pea and bean weevil in peas and beans, the sugar beet being hit by skylark. It's so dry, these crops are just not growing away from the damage. So speak to your advisor about the best course of action in any of those crops. Back to sugar beet and we're now finding Mises persicae nymphs at threshold, which remember is one nymph per four plants on untreated or non-neonic beet around the Lincoln area. So the BBRO forecast of winged aphids flying late April, I think they said the 19th of April back in February, they were pretty bang on and we are already now finding nymphs at threshold. If that's the case in your untreated beet, then you need to be on that lickety split with Topeki or Insist, but do read the guidance about timing, etc. But only one application of each of those products is now legal, so do make sure that you're actually at threshold before you go spraying. Don't just belt out with the sprayer just because your neighbour said he was finding some. Go and have a look. And don't forget that the persistence of the product might also be reduced if the beet is cotyledon or two-leaf. So do continue to monitor every single day or two. 0.14 of a kilo Topeki or 0.25 of a kilo of Insist. True's accreted sugar beet will be covered for about 10 weeks from the date of drilling so just make a note of when you need to start worrying in those cruiser fields and I think that will pretty much do swallows and house martins all over the place the cuckoo seen early last week and actually heard on Wednesday afternoon so clearly too late to go and drill any spring barley now because it would be cuckoo barley same with spring wheat and I continue to pray for rain for all of you so let's see what the next seven days bring thanks as ever Sean the Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate, Grantham. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. The government has proposed levelling up not just the north, but the rural economy too. And they published their committee report last week. Do the proposals deliver? Well, the CLA's Kath Crowther joins us this morning. Morning, Kath. Welcome to the programme again. Hi, Steve. So what's the problem with the rural economy? Why do we need levelling up? Yep, so the report has been published by the all-party parliamentary group on rural business and the rural powerhouse. Um, And it follows one of the most in-depth inquiries uh, ever to be undertaken on the subject. So evidence uh, was put forward from over 50 industry bodies, charities, academics, business leaders, Um, And we believe that this report should be seen as a a blueprint for creating economic growth in the countryside. The rural economy is 18% less productive than the national average. And closing that gap could be worth £43 to the national economy. So it's quite exciting given that there's that potential with what we see as quite simple actions. revolves around planning, connectivity, farming, skills and tax. And those five themes have been covered in this report. A lot of the findings in the report will not come as a surprise and you'd probably see them as obvious 
Okay, Point, such as? For instance, under planning, small-scale applications are routinely rejected. So uh, we've just got excessive bureaucracy and delays in the planning system. There's a lack of understanding on rural planning. And I think the countryside is often treated as a museum. And the default answer is no. So we've suggested that they should put an extra planning officer in each local authority because there is not sufficient resource in planning authorities. But also we need training for those officers so that they understand rural planning, which can be different to urban areas. And one area that we have a constant battle with is connectivity, the digital economy, uh, getting a signal even on a phone in the middle of a village is perennially difficult, isn't it? Is that an area that we're seeing some progress on? I think COVID just brought to the fore how important connectivity is. And these days, you cannot run a business without broadband and mobile phone coverage. And so the rural economy is being held back because of that lack of connectivity. We've seen some progress, but we haven't seen enough. The levelling up white paper that was published a couple of months ago now put in some targets in terms of broadband coverage. That target was initially 2025, and they've now pushed it back to 2030. So we're saying that there needs to be more progress. It's also um, electricity connection. A lot of our members have projects that they would love to take forward, either renewables where they could then export electricity to the grid, or they might need to import electricity in order to expand their business. But they can't because the grid isn't fit for purpose. So connectivity is essential to rural productivity. Likewise, farming tax skills and planning they're all really important and they were were covered in the report and we've got recommendations based on each of those topics okay now the report itself as we say it's 56 pages long far too detailed to go into uh, on this program but you can get it on the cla website and are you looking for input from not just your members but the rural community in general to take forward then to parliament Absolutely. CLA members, non-CLA members, please do go on and get a a copy, send it on to MPs. Any of the the local political organisations, we need to be pushing this because the recommendations could be implemented pretty quickly. They're they're oven-ready policies, basically. The rural economy is often forgotten about. I think that they don't recognise that um, we could be doing a lot more than we are with the right policy platforms i think you're preaching to the converted definitely cass uh, cla.org.uk is the cla's website where you can see the report and get in touch many thanks for that cass thanks steve to the markets now starting with livestock from louth livestock market good morning auctioneer oliver chapman good morning steve another weekly roundup from here at louth monday the 25th of april Standing with prime cattle, which see the steer sell to 250 pence per kilo and gross £1,347 per head for J.C. Scolia Bormba, while the heifers top at 239 pence per kilo and gross £1,407 for J.S. Brooks of Strubby. On to the cool cows and an all-in average of 205 pence per kilo with a top for GL and M car of Skidbrook at 235 pence per kilo and grossing a record break in £1,852 per head. 
Moving on to the sheep, started with the prime lambs, which saw a handful on offer, to top at 316 pence per kilo for T&J Battersby, or £138 per head for CJ Sheriff of Morby. Moving on to the prime hogs, and a better show of numbers forward, however, a mix of qualities on offer, saw an SQQ for the hogs at 261.02 pence per kilo. The top this week came for G and DM Housem, and TR and J Fox at £134 per head, while the pence per kilo was topped by BF and MC Adlard at 298 pence. On to the cool use, and they say that lightning doesn't strike the same place twice, however some people have never been to Laugh. An all-in average this week per head of £132.69 for the cool use, while the cool rams average £188.11. The top this week came from GW Alice and the Thorsway, with used to £246 per head, while the cool rams topped at £234 per head for EJ Benj of Woodall Spa. It must also be mentioned that amongst those ewes were a tremendous run of Hebridean ewes which topped at a record-breaking £110 per head. Finally, just the store sheep and started with the store hogs which saw a top of £71.50 for A. Cooling of Nettleton, while the ewes and lambs sold to a top per life of £64 for DW NE and JW Chevins. Tomorrow, Monday the 2nd of May, is store cattle week at Louth with 40 plus cattle entered and all classes of prime and cool cattle and sheep are still required so please do not hesitate to contact me. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Louth Market and thank you. And the grain markets now with Open Fields Kit Dickinson. Morning Kit. Good morning Steve. The war in the Ukraine continues with Russia again threatening the nuclear option due to NATO's support of the Ukraine. Russia's aim is to control the Black Sea ports which could strangle the Ukrainian economy which relies heavily on the grain and oilseed export incomes. Russia is strategically destroying railways, bridges and port facilities to prevent the movement of goods, military supplies and people. This will remove Ukraine from the export market for the foreseeable future in what is looking increasingly like the war of attrition with no early end in sight. Various analysts' updates of the Ukrainian planting progress circulate, but with reports of storage being destroyed and old crops still in store, will there be enough storage to go around? The U.S. winter wheat crop condition report this week revealed this is the worst since 1986. Whilst U.S. plantings are behind the curve due to the prevailing cool, wet conditions, the Brazilian safrina maize crop is going backwards and, as drought continues in the major production areas, adding to the much-reduced availability of Ukrainian maize next season. The Indian wheat crop forecast is being lowered by 100 to 105 million metric tonnes, which is less than they consume domestically and will restrict their export potential. To complete the picture, the U.S. agricultural attaché in Australia and Argentina this week forecast the 2022-2023 production down 7 million metric tonnes and 2 million metric tonnes respectively. So looking at barley this week, with old crop trade finished, attention has now switched to new crop. With some fresh demand from export and domestic molsters, price trend still follows whatever the latest war headlines are. But whether a fixed price or a minimum premium, malting barley growers are now making forward sales at these record values. All of the spring crop is now established and looks good wherever it may be for the time of year. Oilseed rope this week, the announcement of the Indonesian palm oil export ban sent vegetable oil sharply higher, nearing multi-year highs on Monday. A downward correction was seen when Indonesia excluded crude palm oil from the list of productions banned, but then a policy reversed it midweek, including the crude and refined grades in the ban, caused palm oil to jump to a seven-week high, reaching its upper daily limit price of 10%. This was also supported by concerns from exporters that their produce could get out before the ban takes place. Tuesday saw the rapeseed weaken and the new crop firm 
as the May-August spread came in. New crop motif reached contract highs supported by the Indonesian palm export ban and general veg oil strength. On Wednesday, the domestic bid levels fell due to the pressure of the falling motif and firmer sterling, but strong demand and a lack of sellers meant prices remained well supported. So looking at wheat prices this week for June, 312 to 320. August new crop, 285 to 290. November, 290 to 295. And May 23, 295 to 300. Milling wheat premiums are currently £30 for old crop. Feed barley for June, 300 to 310. August, 272 to 280. November, 280 to 285. And May 23, 285 to 290. Malting barley premiums are currently 15 to 18 pounds for new crop. For specific all-seed rate prices, please speak to your Openfield Farm business manager. Thanks as ever to Kit and Oliver. Back with their updates next week. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Looks like we're going to get some well-needed rain this week, and it starts today. Winds stay light and variable all week, never getting into double figures MPH. Cloudy with light rain and highs in single figures today. Similar tomorrow, but a few degrees warmer. Back cooler again with light rain for the middle of the week, and ending the week again with light rain, but with temperatures hitting the mid-teens Celsius. Well, that's just about it for this week, except to remind you that LRSN's Mad May Marathon launches today. I'm about to set off and do my first mile to help raise funds for this excellent charity that supports so many in the area. And if you can maybe spare a few quid, head to justgiving.com and search Mad May Marathon. And thank you to Julie for starting the ball rolling with this the other day. Oh, and if you ever thought that nobody takes any notice of what farmers say, either on this programme or wherever, I'll finish with a WhatsApp message received after last week's programme. Hi Steve, I had to get up early this morning and got to listen to the farming programme. It was so interesting, thank you, even though I've nothing to do with farming. And what a load of sense our farmers talk. I'll be listening next week. See? Thanks, Angie. I'm Steve Orchard. Until next week, when we'll talk eggs, look at some interesting new tech and get a young farmer's update. Have a good one. The Farming Programme with our equipped steel stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate Grantham, supplying the region for over 40 years.